Our text for today continues in our series in the book of Acts. We're going to look at only three verses together. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. I'd like to read the verses with you. Acts 13, 1 to 3. Now, when the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. You do know that world missions is on the heart of our God. He only had one only begotten son, precious in the bosom of the Father from all eternity past. And the Father chose to make his beloved Son, our Savior, a missionary to planet Earth, a cross-cultural ministry to planet Earth. And so we know that the heart of God beats with world missions. He is desirous that the gospel of his Son crucified and resurrected be heralded in the power of the Holy Spirit to the furthest corners of the earth. We are so pleased to have missionaries, foreign and domestic, that we pray for and financially support as an extension of our local church ministry in different parts of the Bahamas and in different parts of the globe. Today's short passage is about a local church in Antioch sending Paul, Saul, and Barnabas out to be missionaries for the first missionary journey that the book of Acts records for us. And what we're going to see in these three verses is three timeless truths, and they begin with S. We're going to see served, separated, and sent. Say that with me. Served, separated, and sent. These are the main points of the first three verses of Acts chapter 13. Let's start with served. In verse one, names of five men there from the church of Antioch are mentioned. Barnabas, Simeon, whose nickname was Niger, Lucius, Manan, and Saul, who was also known as Paul. Now we know some things about these five men from other parts of scripture. We know something about them. We know for one thing, they were all workers in the church in Antioch. And we know that they were not watchers of the work of the church of Antioch. They were workers. They were workers right where they were planted in the church of Antioch. Let's talk about the five of them briefly. Barnabas was a Levite, according to Acts 4, 36 to 37. He commended Paul to the apostles right after Paul was marvelously converted in Acts chapter 9. Barnabas was sent by the church in Jerusalem to assist the church in Antioch as the Lord brought spiritual revival to the church in Antioch. That's Acts 11. Barnabas co-taught the Old Testament scriptures with Paul in the church at Antioch for one year. We see that in Acts 11 as well. So Barnabas was a Bible teacher, and he was an encourager. Simeon, let's talk about Simeon. His nickname was Niger, meaning black. He may have been a dark-skinned man, perhaps an African, or both. 
There's no evidence that he is the same Simon, the Cyrene, who carried our Lord Jesus' cross. We have no evidence biblically that they're the same Simeon. Lucius was mentioned. He was a Gentile from Cyrene, and he may have been one of the founders there at the church in Antioch, which brings up a point that sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to send people from our assembly to the furthest corners of the earth that are leaders, servant leaders of our assembly. That's what uh, we're seeing that in Lucius. Menaean, he was, this is amazing, he was somehow related to wicked King Herod Antipas, who is the King Herod of the Gospels, who sought to kill all the babies and the toddlers to get the Savior killed, remember him? He was the same Herod Antipas who had John the Baptist beheaded. But this Menaean, being somehow related to the wicked King Herod Antipas, himself converted by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ to be Savior. Nobody you can name is beyond the grace of God for God be willing and able to save that person. Menaean was reared and raised in wicked King Herod Antipas' palace. This because he once may have been King Herod Antipas' close friend or he may have been King Herod Antipas's adopted foster brother. But any way you slice it, Menaean was a huge trophy to God's saving grace. He was a totally transformed, redeemed brother in Christ in the church of Antioch. Now, all of these five men that I've quickly profiled served in the local church at Antioch. And verse one indicates that they each served as prophets and teachers. Now, we need to know that in the first century, prophets laid the foundation for the church. How? By proclaiming the word of God. If you're making notes, you could write down Ephesians 2.20 and 1 Corinthians 14, verses 29 to 32. You'll see the New Testament describes a prophet in the first century as a person who proclaimed the word of God and thereby laid a foundation upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And in the first century, teachers helped to ground the converts in the doctrines of the faith. 2 Timothy 2.2, faithful men and trusting faithful other men with true doctrine. So these five were serving in the church at Antioch as prophets and teachers. None of them were unemployed in the church's work. None of them were underemployed in the church's work either. They weren't watchers of God's work through the church in Antioch. They were workers toward God's work for the church in Antioch. That's significant. Over my years as a pastor, more than 35 years by God's amazing grace, I've had many occasions where church members, brothers and sisters in Christ, have asked me to do a pastor's recommendation letter maybe to fill out for um, a Bible college or a seminary or a certain ministry or a short-term missions trip, etc. Many times, 
believers of the churches I've pastored have come to me. Can I have a reference letter, pastor, for this reason or for that reason? I'll tell you something. If the church member who asks for that is already committed and active in serving the Lord in the church that I'm pastoring, then these letters of commendation are a piece of cake to write. Where it becomes a problem is where Johnny or Susie comes to me and they're not doing a thing in the local church they're a part of. And as their pastor, they ask me for a letter of recommendation to go on a short-term mission trip to Bolivia. That's harder. Because idle here doesn't bode well for involved there. And a mission board or a Bible college or a seminary doesn't call any believer to faithful ministry. The Lord Jesus Christ does. And he starts with where the believer is planted in a local church. And the Lord first calls believers to faithfully minister in their local church. Faithful ministry at home is the prerequisite to missionary ministry abroad. Workers here are the best candidates to be workers there. Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus' words, speaking in the context to financial faithfulness, but the principle applies to other kinds of faithfulness too. Jesus said, he who is faithful in what is the least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. End of quote. Your now shapes your later when it comes to ministry. When it comes to ministry, you probably won't be later (laughs) what you aren't now. It was because Barnabas and Simeon and Lucius and Manaean and Saul were already serving in the church of Antioch that the Lord named them as potential missionaries. Because this is a principle, the serving are sent. The serving are sent. So this is a call for all of us to be serving Christ with our spiritual gift and talents and time and treasure right in our church like we talked about in the membership covenant. The serving are sent, be serving at all times. The second point after the fact that these five men served was that they were separated, separated. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Lord had his church in Antioch separate Barnabas and Paul for the Lord's use as special missionaries. To properly understand what went on back then in the church at Antioch, we have to focus on two third-person plural pronouns. Two they's. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. Watch for the pronouns. 
Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Watch it now. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, there it is, pronoun, they sent them away. The first they that is found in verse 2 refers to all the elders in the church in Antioch. The second they found in verse 3 refers to all of the elders and to all of the believers who made up the church at Antioch. Let me read it that way, verses 1 to 3. Now the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Those were five of the elders of the church. As they, that is all the elders of the church, ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit now said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Watch it. And then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they, that is all the elders of the church and all the members of the church, sent them away. Now fasting is mentioned. Fasting was a part of what the Holy Spirit had them do so that they would be Holy Spirit-led to separate two of the five elders mentioned in verse one, to separate two out of the five, they found out which two of the five they should be separated from the other three so that those two of the five could be sent out by the church to be the first missionaries of the book of Acts and the first missionaries at the church of Antioch. So what is fasting? You'll hear a lot of things about fasting, but I'll try to make it simple. Fasting is the spiritual discipline to forego food for some period of time so that the time otherwise used to prepare and to consume the food is given over to passionate, focused prayer. That's fasting. It's a spiritual discipline of foregoing food for some period of time so that the time otherwise used to prepare the food and to consume the food is given over to passionate and focused prayer. That's fasting. After a time of foregoing food in favor of passionately praying, the whole church at Antioch, the elders and the members were Holy Spirit led to lay hands on Barnabas and Saul to be their first foreign missionaries. Fasting and praying identified the ones that God would will to be separated for that service. So fasting and praying identified the ones to be separated and to be separated to the Lord specifically for the doing of the Lord's work. What all that involved after fasting and praying and identifying who God had to be the two, what it involved was identification, focus, and elimination. Identification, focus, and elimination. When I was learning to drive, the driving instructor took us to a busy mall. 
and he wanted to teach us how to pray for a parking space. <laughs> he wanted to teach us after we prayed for a parking space to pick one and to park in it. And so what he did was he's in the passenger seat and I'm in the driver's seat and we're in this busy parking lot with very few parking spaces open. He says, identify a parking space, which I did. And they said, focus on the parking space. The one parking space you want to park in. Steer with your eyes to get your car safely into the empty parking space without bumping into the other cars and eliminate all the other parking spaces that you might see around you. Identification, focus, elimination. By foregoing food for a time, and by passionately praying for the Lord's direction, the whole church at Antioch, all of the elders and all of the deacons and all of the believers understood the Lord wanted Barnabas and Saul separated to the Lord for specific missionary service by the Holy Spirit's identification and focus and elimination. You had to eliminate three good men to get the two that God was separating from missionary service, right? And so even as the serving are sent, the separated are sent. The separated. And that brings me to my third point in the text, and that's simply the word sent. Verse three, then having fasted and prayed, and laid hands on them, watch, they sent them away. They sent them away. We've previously established that the they of this verse includes all the believers of the church at Antioch, and with that, that kind of a divine leading they had experienced through fasting for the whole church, Barnabas and Saul could solidly and soundly be sent off to their missionary work. In verse 3, it's reported that the whole Antioch church laid hands on Barnabas and Saul in a public ceremony. This culminated, this public ceremony and laying on of hands, culminated all the God-confirmed sending off to the ministry of these two men. In both the Old and the New Testaments, the laying on of hands on an individual symbolically affirms that the support of that individual by believers who know that individual, who worship and serve with that individual, that it is uh, ratified as the leading of God when the hands are laid upon a pastor or a missionary. It's saying we, let, we put our hands upon you identifying you as being identified by God, serving already, separated by God for certain work and ministry he has for you. By laying on our hands, we are affirming, we understand that calling and that sending. When I was ordained back in 1987 at Schofield Memorial Church in Dallas, Texas, the church publicly laid their hands on me to endorse me and to send me 
into whatever pastoral ministry God would have for me in my future. And each time when I was inducted as the new pastor of a church, for me, two churches in Ontario, Canada, and one church in Pennsylvania, and then this precious church in the Bahamas, in each case, when I was inducted to be the pastor of these four churches, people laid hands on me in a public ceremony to say that we recognize that God has sent you to us. We're going to pray for you. We're going to support you. We're going to receive the teaching of the word of God from you. We're going to receive pastoral care based on the word of God from you. We're going to pray for you. What a special thing for a pastor. I've only dared to pastor four local churches, as I mentioned, because these four churches laid hands on me, believing I was God sent to them. That doesn't make me better than anyone else. It just means that I, being in the way, the Lord led me. I didn't just go to these four churches. It wasn't my bright idea or my fleshly ambition. I was sent to the four churches by my Savior. And the congregations recognized that sending and receiving through the laying on of hands. And so let me move it off of me to move it on to you, each of you who know Christ. How should it be for you? Whatever your ministry is or whatever your ministry will be because of God sending you, don't just go, be sent. Minister not by your own idea or ambition, but minister by the Lord's deployment of you. <laughs> when we don't do that, when we go where we haven't been sent, and we just go without being sent, there's some inherent dangers in that ministry. For one thing, the danger of prayerlessness. For second, the danger of entitlement. For third, the danger of wrong spiritual gifting. So what have we seen so far? We've seen some important things. The serving are sent. The separated are sent. And we acknowledge that we're all sent when we're serving and when we're separated. When we know Christ as Savior, when he's enthroned as Lord of our redeemed lives, when we are serving, he'll send us. When we are separated from the world and sin, he'll send us. We're all sent when we're serving and when we're separated. The order of these three things back in the New Testament times is still the order of these three things this morning. Serve, be separated, be sent. Serve, first. Be separated, second. Third, be sent. And so I ask you, brother and sister in Christ, 
Are you serving? It's an easy question, yes or no answer. Are you serving within the body of believers here? The church is the vehicle of primary blessing for the world in this church age. And so the best place, the first place that you should be serving is in this church. Are you serving? 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, notice each believer has a spiritual gift. No believer can say, I didn't get a spiritual gift. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another, local church. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You can't be a good caretaker of the manifold grace of God in your life if you're not serving in a local church. Are you serving within this local church? Second question, are you separated to the Lord? Are you separated to the Lord? Do people without Christ think you're weird? (laughs) That's a good thing if they do. Are you separated unto the Lord? Do the things you used to laugh at before Christ bring you to tears now, and the things that brought you to tears before Christ make you laugh now? Are you in the world but not of the world? There's no problem when the dinghy is in the sea. The problem becomes when the sea is in the dinghy. Are you in the world but not of the world? Is Christ your Lord and master? Are you pleasing him and seeking to please him in everything, no matter what the risk or the cost or the, would be to do so? Are you separated from the world that cheerfully lives, leaves Jesus Christ completely out? Does your life require a supernatural explanation? Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, verse 1. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That means don't partner up with anyone who's not saved so that your autonomous ability to make decisions is impinged upon. Business partnerships, marriage, co-signing for a loan, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, the name for Satan? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God makes a promise. If you will step away and separate yourself from the system, the worldview that cheerfully leaves Jesus Christ out of everything, he will be a father to you. He will provide for you. 
you will be received by him. Are you separated to the Lord? When you make your choices this week, will there be any reason for an observer of your choices to see that you are different than people without Christ? Are you separated to the Lord? Again, it's not hard to answer. That's a yes or a no. Be separated to the Lord. Third question, are you sent? Now, there is a sense in which every believer is sent because every believer, the expectation of heaven is that every believer is serving and every believer is separated. So in the sense that God assumes that it's God's will for each believer to be serving and to be separated, in that assumption, God sends all of us. Jesus' words in John 17, his high priestly prayer for his disciples before the cross, Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. That'll put wind under your wings this week. That'll put courage in your heart this week. That'll bring purpose to your iPhone and your your diary this week. Jesus praying to the Father before the cross, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them, us, (laughs) into the world. And then... In John 20, Jesus said to them, peace to you. And he tells them and us a way that you can have peace that transcends circumstance, that is bigger than your emotions. He said to them and Jesus says to us, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. You want peace? Take that to your workplace this week, that you've been sent by God to your workplace. You want peace in your home? Consider that God has sent you to be the father to your children that God has sent you to be the mother to your children, that God has sent you as parents to be the parents to your children. If you're a child and you believe in Jesus, consider the fact that God has sent you to be the child of your daddy and your mommy. Maybe you're in school here in Nassau as a younger child. Maybe you go to school every day. Can you consider, if you know Christ as Savior, that God has sent you into your classroom to be a help to your teacher, to encourage your teacher, to pray for your teacher, to be a good influence on the other students, not to cheat, but to study hard on your academics. Jesus said after resurrection to his believers about peace He said this, so Jesus said to them again, he said it before, peace to you as the Father has sent me, so send I you.
if you know Christ, God assumes that you're serving in this church. God assumes that you're separated from Satan and the world and sin. And with those things in place, you are sent. You're sent. Dear Heavenly Father, where we're not serving, give us the choice to serve. Where we're not separated from this world view and this system that cheerfully leaves Jesus out, separate us by our choices. And Lord, once we are serving and once we are separated to you, we're excited to see how and where you will send us. Send us to the lost person that we know, careening down life's pathway to hell. Send us. to our spouse who is withering on the vine because of our indifference and selfishness. Send us. To the person in need, financially or emotionally, send us. Lord, we know that when you send us, you go with us. And what you send us to do is, is doable with your calling always comes your enabling. May we be a collection, a precious collection of saints who know that we're sent and who carry out the duties and the pleasures that are attendant to being sent. We ask this that much would be made of the Lord Jesus in our individual lives and in our corporate life as a local church. Serving, being separated, being sent. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.